0: You're listening to the Charity Champions podcast. Each year, TFNB Your Bank for Life chooses six nonprofits from around Central Texas to recognize as Charity Champions. Tonight's
1: Charity Champion is
0: Champions enjoy live on-field presentations at Baylor University home football and basketball games, online broadcast, and print marketing exposure, and world-class leadership development through 360 Solutions, all at no cost to the nonprofit. In this podcast, we want to get to know our charity champions a little better. We're bringing those who help and those who have been helped into the studio to hear the stories behind the champions. In this podcast, communities and schools of the heart of Texas.
1: The state of Texas bases prison populations and the number of beds they need based on the number of students that are below reading level in third grade.
0: Executive Director Mike Harper tells us how his organization supports students and helps them graduate. It's
1: so hard to pull a family out of poverty. Any way that we can help try to meet some of those needs so that the kid can stay in school and be successful.
0: And now, let's get to know our champion. All right, Mike, welcome to the studio. You are our second charity champion being recognized this season, Communities and Schools. Mike, if we could start, can you just kind of introduce yourself and tell me who you are? Sure. My name is Mike Harper. I'm the executive director for
1: Communities and Schools of the heart of Texas. We are the local affiliate of a national dropout prevention and student success organization. I've been the executive director almost three years now. So in September, I'll celebrate three years there. And so what's your background that brought you to this? Back a career or two ago, I guess, (laughs) I taught at Waco High, and that was actually my first experience with communities and schools when I was teaching there. Had a student that was couch surfing, basically, Mm -hmm. was homeless, had been kicked out of the house and jumped from one family member to another and then was really just homeless and was staying at friends' houses at that point. He finally confided in me after several weeks of doing this and said you know this is what's going on that's why it's a little harder being here and being focused and that sort of thing and i knew communities and schools was on the campus i didn't know all of what they did but i knew that they were there and a resource to work with students and so i referred him to cis and i didn't know all of what they were doing for him i've learned that since but could tell a real difference in his life and just the testament that he showed up at school each day was amazing he continued to plug in there and and finished the school year successfully and uh, moved on and promoted up to the next grade. So in my career previous, just immediately previous to this position, I was an in-house attorney for Clean ISD. And so Clean ISD works with one of the other affiliates of CIS and so certainly saw the impact of it in that school district.
0: So before we get into the specifics about what communities and schools does, let's kind of talk about what is the need that kind of facilitated this nonprofit being created.
1: It was originally started a little over 40 years ago in New York. Bill Milligan was the founder of Communities and Schools, the national organization, found that there were a number of students just dropping out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started with high schools, high school students, and just noticed that there were a ton of kids dropping out. And so he realized that what they really needed was a caring adult that would invest in their lives and let them know how important school was mm-hmm. and that they cared about them and to keep them in school in that way.
0: So here in Waco, we've had other charity champions like The Cove that deal with youth homelessness and kind of poverty issues in the community. What about the climate of Waco makes this an especially needed nonprofit?
1: There are so many students
0: here that are at risk of dropping out. Uh, Certainly there's a
1: high density uh, population of students that are low income and food insecure. Unfortunately, Waco has a really high need there, but we also serve in other surrounding areas as well. This past year, we were in six different school districts, La Vega, Marlon, Mejia, Teague, and Chilton ISD, in addition to Waco ISD. Waco ISD is probably our oldest partner and our largest partner, but we served this past year 20 different campuses on in those six school districts. There's a need everywhere. Uh, there certainly are students that are in need of things. Certainly, Waco has a higher population in Waco ISD that our students that need and so and all of that impacts their ability to to be in school and to be successful
0: communities and schools specifically deals with keeping kids in schools and seeing them graduate correct correct this past year, we case manage
1: students, uh, working with individual students. And while we might serve an entire campus with a school-wide event, we kind of drill down and, and individually work with students. And each of our site coordinators who are on a different campus serve about 100 students on their caseload. And so that can look very different from campus to campus. but. As you were saying, we work to keep them there in school, and we have an evidence-based model that's been researched nationally. It works. I've heard also that it's not rocket science by any stretch. It's all about having that caring adult building a relationship with a student and letting them know that being in school is important and that they are cared about, and that that makes a world of a difference. Of the three thousand two hundred and five that we were contracted to serve last year. Within each of our different districts, 99% of them stayed in school, 96% promoted to the next grade level. Um, So obviously, great results from my team of of site coordinators that are out on campuses working with each of the different students.
0: I kind of want to get at the fundamental issue. We're all kind of on this path, you know, going through life. And at this critical juncture of high school, kind of depending on who are in the lives of these kids, some kids just kind of Peter off don't graduate high school and then just kind of shortchange themselves for the rest of their lives, right? Sure. I would even say even earlier than that, elementary school. Mm. We serve elementary through
1: high school. My board of directors even have lively conversations and debates maybe about where we are best serving students, whether that's at the elementary level or the high school level. One of my past board chairs really thought if they make it to high school, you know, they are so close to the finish line. Let's mm. put all of our efforts there and help them just get over that that finish line. On the other hand, I have other board members that know it's crazy critical from 3rd through 5th grade to Mm -hmm. really invest in a student, and if a student is behind in reading at 3rd grade, I think, in fact, the state of Texas bases uh, prison populations and the number of beds they need based on the number of students that are below reading level in 3rd grade, so that 3rd through 5th grade is extremely important as well in making sure kids really get plugged in and get all the additional assistance that they need. Having taught before, I know it's difficult being in a classroom. Teachers are overworked. There are so many students in a class, and that's not the not teachers at all. They're doing incredible work. Oh, yeah. But they don't have that extra time maybe mm-hmm. to make all those connections in the community. Part of our model is the fact that we don't have all the answers, but we partner with all sorts of different community organizations. You mentioned the COVE. We certainly work with them. Mm-hmm. We work with Unbound. We work with the Advocacy Center so many different organizations in town. If we see a student that has food insecurity, we might get them plugged in with Pack of Hope, one of the past recipients of Charity Champions. We also might plug the family into Caritas, So, so many different things. You know, when we see a need there, we might not have all the answers, but Starry Counseling might be able to help. So we can refer some students out to Starry. Mm -hmm. We might refer them out to the Family Health Center for counseling as well. And so our site coordinators, while we don't have all the answers and all the different items that can help meet a kid's need, we know different partners in the community and we bring the community into the school. One of the great things about our format and our model is that we partner with school districts. So we are there on the campus, and we have a site coordinator on the campus that can work with individual students and refer them to all the different community resources.
0: And then also for those of us you know, who, who have been blessed to have parents or people in their life that care about them and try and support them as they go through this, I'm guessing a lot of these students you're helping don't really have that. Right. Or they
1: might have a parent that is doing everything they can just to keep a roof over their heads. Parents that are working two, three jobs, you know, just trying to keep a place to stay, Mm -hmm. uh, rent uh, and those sort of things. And uh, you might have a kid that is responsible for two or three younger siblings getting them to school. There are so many different things that get in the way. And so there are a number of different things uh, that can set a family back and then trying to help them over that hurdle. Some of the students we work with, it might just be a one-time kind of an incident, a fire in the home, and that we become aware and so we work with that student maybe for a month or two trying to get them back on track. There are a number of other students, though, that are come from a cycle of poverty. There are just so many different things that I take for granted for my own kids, that things that we're able to provide for our kids, reading to them at an early age, All those different things that make a huge impact on school Um, you know certainly parents some of them are doing all that they can and are invested as much as they can but working two or three jobs at minimum wage it's really hard to then have additional
0: time to volunteer at the school and do all of those extras and they may not be there when the kids get home. Before we started the podcast, we were talking about the different tiers and levels that you guys have with communities and schools. Can you kind of go through each one of those? Sure. So our model is set up on a three-tiered basis.
1: Part of our evidence-based model from our national organization looks at those different tiers and the level one tier is a school-wide. And so that looks different from different uh, campuses. So we work with each of the different principals and come up with a plan, a campus plan each year. And so that might change from year to year. Mm -hmm. That might look like a Cinco de Mayo celebration at Provident Heights that we help sponsor and bring a number of community resources in nice uh, so that the kids have a great fun event and there are different resources whether from Family Health Center or all the different nonprofits in town that we partner with that might also look like a career fair at La Vega junior high that I've been to uh, that our site coordinator there puts on and so you might have the fire department there police department all sorts of different community partners different businesses that come in and show the different types of resources. Also might look like a college fair at a high school, and our site coordinators coordinate that as well. So that's a Tier 1. It is not just for our students. It's certainly open to all of the campus. Mm-hmm. And so that's the Tier 1 part of the model. The Tier 2 would be group services. So we find a lot of kids are going through – similar things, whether that is body image or something like that. And so we will bring in different resources, different partners. Unbound, another charity champion, has come in and led groups on what does human trafficking look like? What are the signs to look out for? All of those different body images, kind of issues that might come as a part of that, and work through that with students. And it might be a group that, say there's 10 different girls that meet over maybe a six-week period for meeting once a week at lunchtime or something like that it might be more of a self esteem group with elementary kids during a lunch bunch or something like that so that's what a group model looks like Mm -hmm. and sometimes there are uh, individual issues that are coming up on a campus and the site coordinator might do some more counseling type Mm -hmm. uh, therapy sessions uh, depending on their level of resources and their background and then the third tier is those individual supports for students we will case manage, which is just a fancy way of saying that we work individually with these students. We will do an assessment at the beginning of the year, kind of see where the student is. I will also say that the majority of students that we see are the most needy on the campus, so principals, teachers refer to us. There are also some families that their kid got exposed to a CIS on one campus, and then we might recruit them on a high school with one of their kids, and then mom shows up at the other campuses that we're serving with some elementary kids, and hey, I want to be a part of CIS. So. <laughs> There's referral there in all those different ways, but our site coordinator will assess the student, look at what the biggest needs are. We target one of normally three areas of academics behavior and attendance, and then we set goals with that student. You know, what would you like to do over the course of the year? And then we work those goals and then evaluate it at the end of the year. Certainly some students will stay in our program ideally year after year, and then there are other students that we work with a year and kind of work on that and help them with some additional study skills and that sort of thing. And then they've got it and we might just check on them the next year rather than actually case managing them the next year so.
0: Going back to the groups part, I didn't even think about, you know, unbound and the uh, human trafficking type of stuff, the sex trafficking, because I think a lot of people don't know what that is. And then being able to tell people at an early age, like, this is what it looks like if this guy is trying to get you to come and meet him somewhere or something. Maybe that's fishy. Maybe that's something you should tell someone about. So that's that's really cool. I, I didn't think about that aspect of it. Any of the kids that are in our program are also at
1: risk of being trafficked. It's just the population that we normally serve. It's certainly an issue that our community has done a lot about. Communities and Schools, Heart of Texas is actually the fiscal agent for the federal grant that we have right now. And Unbound and the Advocacy Center are sub-grantors under us. And so we handle the fiscal side of it, billing the federal grant and that sort of thing, and then supervising the work that Unbound and Advocacy Center is. So both of those are really close partners to us. It is such a need that a lot of people don't like to talk about, Mm -hmm. but obviously a need here in the central Texas area. And we're really thankful for the partners uh, that are able to come in as experts, and work with kids about what to look out for maybe it's not them that are being trafficked but maybe a friend is you know has a right is being trafficked or being groomed to be trafficked and you know certainly teaching kids even elementary school kids you know what are things to look out for and what are signs that you need to go and then talk to an adult that you trust about these of things
0: we actually did a three-part series last summer for the Charity Champions podcast about the program itself with Parnell McNamara talking about that side of it and then from the perspective of a victim. So I think it's really impactful to know kind of the full scope of that issue there. Certainly.
1: It's certainly an issue that is affecting our community and it's because of the partnerships in our community that there are actually some action being taken and Mm -hmm. really some great things happening here in the heart of Texas area and we're certainly happy to be a part of that. There is such a need and that's just one part of our different partnerships that we, we have in the community. There are so many other great, vital partnerships that we have. Again, we don't have all the answers, but we have an avenue to bring the Advocacy Center and Unbound and those other partners onto a campus, and they have access to these kids to teach all these things that, unfortunately, kids need to learn these days.
0: What are the most challenging part of your system to work on kids with? You know, like the attendance or the academics, or what what part's most challenging? I would probably say attendance is one of those
1: things that are just so difficult, and there are so many things that lead to an attendance issue. For a high schooler, I was mentioning earlier, that high schooler might be responsible for two or three younger siblings, and they are going to make sure that those kids are in elementary before they even even think about coming to high school. And Mm -hmm. so you just think of kids playing hooky, but there's so much more to it than Mm -hmm. that. I think of a a kid this past year at Waco High that one of our site coordinators was telling me about that was skipping school, but they were working during that time. And Mm -hmm. so it was a matter of getting them into the right program so that they could block their schedule and then maybe leave campus a little early in a workforce program to then go out. And they were responsible for bringing some of that income into the family because it was a single-parent home, and the kid was doing everything that they could to be successful and trying to keep younger siblings fed. And it wasn't until we started talking to the students that then we were able to talk to the campus administration here's what's really going on with this kid and uh, you know what are things that we can do to help facilitate them working and maybe blocking their schedule so that they can then go work
0: a little earlier and, and take care of that need. And that's why it's so important what you guys are doing, because on paper, this just may look like an irresponsible kid. You're absolutely <laughs> right. So
1: often because teachers are so overwhelmed, again, they're doing great, incredible work, but they may not have the time to have that conversation with right. the kid. And it's also a conversation that may not come out that first conversation. Mm -hmm. You've got to build that relationship, build that trust with the kid before you're able to even get to that part of the conversation. Teachers might have asked the right questions, but the kid just didn't feel comfortable sharing some of that. And it's over time building that relationship that our site coordinators are able to really get to know the kids and the kids open up more and more. You know, we might see something on the surface, but there's so much deeper underneath there that the kid's doing absolutely everything that they can to try to be successful, so...
0: Is it tough and does it take a long time for the people that are working with these kids on one-on-one to really get down and see what the root problems are?
1: So it's so individualized. You know, some kids come in and just kind of hit it right off the bat with our site coordinators. And then there are other kids that you might work with them. I know I've heard some of our site coordinators say that they've literally worked with a kid two and a half years before they finally were able to kind of dig down underneath the surface and it took that long for the kid to build that rapport and that, that trust with the site coordinator that they were able to then share what was really going on. I've heard students talk. Uh, one of the things that we did as a campus chat, and we invited some some of our board members and then other community leaders to come in to one of our campuses and talk to some of our students. They can sell our program way better than I can. <laughs> I am you know deeply believe in what we do, but their stories of what CIS meant. And one of the kids that day said, Yeah. I started coming to CIS because one of my friends went and I didn't have anything else to do. So I started (laughs) going along to, I got my mom the sign, but it was really the third year and working with CIS that I realized how much they cared about me. They weren't judging me. And that then I really began to open up and his trajectory was completely different. And he point blank said, I would have dropped out had it not been for CIS at this point. Mm -hmm.
0: I bet that's also an issue because a lot of these kids have a a feeling like I don't want to be pandered to, like I can take care of myself, I don't need the help. But, you know, they're in a tough situation. They do need the help. You're absolutely right. And
1: often those are defense mechanisms that they've learned to build and doing absolute the most that they know how to do. And, uh, you know, it's over years. I'm not a social worker by trainer, but I work with a lot of social workers. I'm married to a licensed clinical social (laughs) worker. And it's that informed trauma care that, you know, so many things that are traumatic to kids, young, that continues to impact them and poverty is certainly one of those things that kids are born into it it's systemic there are so many good things that our community is doing trying to lift people out of poverty but unfortunately it still exists and one of the things that you know has it has the greatest impact on kids but it's so hard to pull a family out of poverty Mm -hmm. and any way that we can help try to meet some of those needs so that the kid can stay in school and be successful
0: are what we're all about. Do you have an idea of the stats of like success rate of kids who are able to graduate high school versus those who drop out? So this past year, 96% of the students that were seniors graduated. And
1: so, and 99% of the students that we work with and case manage stay in school. So It might take them a little longer to graduate, but we continue to work with them, continue to work with them and plug away. One of the best examples I can think of as well, in addition to our core model and our core program being there on campus, we also serve as the youth services contractor for the workforce board here in the heart of Texas. And so we are able to work with 16 to 24 year old youth and help get them those soft skills to move them into the labor market and into successfully working in the community. One of those students, she had a kid during high school, and daycare was just so difficult for her. The kid was sick and that sort of thing, so she ended up dropping out of one of the high schools that we work at. She then ended up enrolling in one of the credit recovery campuses in Waco ISD. But it was still really difficult with child care for a new baby and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. We worked with her through our workforce side of things and our workforce programming. And we we're able to work with her through that. We helped her find some daycare because of the resources there for the, the workforce board. We were able to help pay for daycare, which allowed her to get a CNA. And she began, she completed her CNA work and began working as a nursing assistant in a nursing home here in town, but she wasn't done there. She came back and did GED courses through our workforce programming, ended up doing completing her GED, and then, in addition to that, then enrolled at MCC. Obviously, the kid was a little older at that point, so mm-hmm. it was easier, but that was one of those non-traditional kids that, even though she dropped out and would be a statistic as a dropout for high school, we were able to follow her through and help her in our workforce programming. Our workforce programming, we will hire, this past summer, we hired probably about 40 students that were on our payroll through grant funding. And then we placed them at different agencies and nonprofits and businesses around town. And the agency is a lot more forgiving of mistakes and that sort of thing because they're not paying and they can see it more of as an internship. Mm-hmm. And then the students are able to learn those soft skills that if I'm going to be absent from work, I need to call in. If I'm going to be late, I need to call in. All of those soft skills that my parents worked with me personally, but some of these kids just don't have the resources or, or those people in their lives that can work with them. So they have a career coach during that time to help begin working on the soft skills. So
0: And in that story you told, this went from a single mom who had to drop out, may not have had a lot of future prospects, to sounds like she's in the medical field now, which is a, a growing industry that's probably yes. going to help her on into the future.
1: Exactly. And so and now working uh, in addition to working full time as a CNA is also going to school part time at MCC. And although technically it was a dropout, is truly a success story. And that is one of the things I consider the our workforce program and overlay program to our core model. And some of the students, just the traditional route doesn't work for them. And any way that we can serve a kid and help help them meet needs
0: and eventually be successful. That's what we're all about. Well, there's certain specifics I could get into, but I think I love hearing the stories the best. So if you have any more of those, I'd love to hear more about how you guys are helping people. Sure. Um, I think of one of our rural areas. I think of a
1: student, she was in her senior year. She was not on our site coordinator's caseload for the entire year. And it was probably about February and March that she learned that a principal came into our site coordinator's office and and told her, can you check on this kid? We haven't seen this kid. The kid's been pretty stable coming to school, that sort of thing, and just all of a sudden, we're not hearing anything. We've tried calling, we're not hearing anything. Do you mind checking on this kid? It's been about two weeks now that we haven't seen this kid on campus, and our site coordinator there, Stefana, thought, sure, I'd be happy to. Got the last known address from the campus, went out and realized it was basically an abandoned building, Mm. an old house that had been abandoned in, in town. And the kid was living there and, you know, obviously just trying to make ends meet, living there by herself, nobody else. Wow. Our site coordinator was able to work with her, get her into a family that volunteered to kind of look after her, allow her to stay there. Um, Again, a community resource that through a church she knew about and was able to work with, you know, obviously an an unusual situation, but uh, because Stefana took the time to go out, try to locate that kid and then work with the kid and see what the kid needed uh, or student, high school student, she probably wouldn't want to be called a kid, but you know, (laughs) high school student and work with the high school students. And so then there was needed to make up a, a good bit of work and Stefana stayed with that kid and continued working with her and, and then also learned that she had native American heritage and went so far as to go and find different scholarships for her. Ended up getting a full ride to college because she was a Native American. And because Stefana took the time to go find out where the kid was and then work with the kid individually, helped her not only to graduate, but then have a full scholarship for college. That is the team that I work with that will go above and beyond and is really invested in, in working with kids. And one of the team members of many, you know, over 50 members that I work with that make me look really good <laughs> and make our organization, that is what the heart of our organization is, is building those relationships. You know, certainly that doesn't fit in a job description to find out about what all scholarships, but that's what our site coordinators do day in, day out. They look at the individual student, assess those needs, and then really work the program and see how we can serve them best to be successful in life.
0: It's like you're, you're filling in that crack because, you know, there's this big system that is, you know, public schools and and they can only do so much. Like you said, they only have so many resources. And you're partnering with other resources, and you guys yourself are really taking that time to look in there, see what the situation is, and then find the best outcome for that. It's Absolutely.
1: Really cool. Again, it's not rocket science.
0: A lot of people with a, a caring heart and a
1: social service kind of background could do this work, but it's working that model, you know, working with the individual students and investing in their lives and building that relationship. You, know, you mentioned stories, and I think of our site coordinator at La Vega Junior High and two of the different coaches that are coaches there were students of Carol's back when she was at an elementary school 20 plus years ago. That's cool. Uh, We have two site coordinators that have been with our organization I believe 27 years. Carol is one of those and she actually now works on the faculty uh, or in the campus with two faculty members that were her CIS students years ago. And it's amazing to the testimony what they're able to say. Yeah, I remember Miss Carol always had snacks when we (laughs) needed something. We could stop by her office and she took care of us. And Nola is one of our other site coordinators who's been with us that long. And she has worked at two campuses in that long and she only left the first campus when Waco ISD closed it and she moved to another campus and has been there since the different relationships she has not only on the campus with families but then also in the community Baylor School of Law for example helps do a toy drive for them every year at Christmas oh, cool and makes uh, you know a real difference in so many kids on that campus and their lives at Christmas time so that's awesome
0: I think you mentioned before, you're in your 30th year. Is this your
1: 30th year? Yes. Communities and schools, Heart of Texas, will be celebrating our 30th year, or we are, this month. And so we're super excited about that. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of people in town that don't know about us. That's um, gonna change. <laughs> we are, that is one of the things we're really excited about being a part of this is that again I work with an incredible team of people that do such good work and just getting that word out. And so what schools are you guys in locally here? So locally we're on 10 different campuses in Waco ISD. Both of the high schools Waco High and University High. I believe almost all of the middle schools and then a handful of elementaries as well. In La Vega ISD we're saturated the, the district so elementary, intermediate, junior, and high school. Same thing in Marlin this year. We have saturated the district, elementary, middle, and high school, Marlin Junior Academy, which is the middle school and then high school. We've been able to expand this past year with some uh, additional funding through, part of our funding comes, I should explain, part of our funding comes through the state of Texas. We're a separate rider on the budget every two years, Okay. and our funding flows through TEA, but back in the 80s when Governor Mark White was governor, he sent his wife a Across the nation to try to figure out what can we do about dropout prevention. Mm -hmm. And she went around and looked at different models for dropout prevention and student success and landed on communities and schools. Uh, Linda Gale White is still a board member for communities and schools of Houston and has been for a number of years. But she really believed in our model and saw that it worked. And so since then, there's been state funding flows as grants through TEA. They oversee it, but it's a separate rider in the budget. With that, the model is they don't give us enough to serve all the kids that mm-hmm. we contract to serve, but we were to leverage that money with some district buy-in. So there's a different district cost share per each campus that we serve. And then in addition to that, we have to bring in other resources as well to help serve those. Last year, we, we were contracted at 3,205 students. We served about 32, 46 case managing. This year, with additional resources from TEA, we will be case managing 4,000 students. So we have s- expanded into some additional campuses. This year, we'll be serving on 26 campuses and eight districts. We'll be going back into Connolly. Uh, we'll be at the Early College High School there in Connolly. We're excited about that new partnership. And just this week, we were approved by the board and Midway ISD, and we'll be at Midway High this year as well. So. Really excited about those new opportunities. With that comes the need for additional resources, too, mm-hmm. though, to partner and to leverage with those state funds to serve
0: all the kids that we need to do. Are there ways for people to partner with you guys and donate or help out that there way? There
1: certainly are. We are always in need of backpacks
0: and school uniforms.
1: I think about backpacks, and uh, for instance, my kids will get them one at the beginning of the year. About mid year, they're looking pretty ragged and that sort of thing. And so <laughs> they go
0: that long. <laughs> Mine's like a month. I think. <laughs> exactly.
1: And so at this time of year, we might uh, receive some backpacks and we hold them back for a little while because in a month or two, like you're saying, or you know, mid mid-year there's certainly a real need for backpacks and so in school uniforms we think about this time we need school uniforms and they're in shorts right now and it's going to be several months before they'll need pants and that sort of thing but then in the spring they might be back in shorts but they've grown a size or two you know that sort of thing so there's always a need for backpacks and uniforms. In addition to that, there's always need for financial support. And so if somebody listening would like to sponsor a campus, and that could look different from campus to campus, but sponsoring, say, Provident Heights Elementary and uh, helping being a sponsor for the Cinco de Mayo event, that's a community-wide event for that school, we're happy to talk to people about
0: that. There are always, we will always have needs for different things. Do you have any models where like a corporation could partner with you guys and help out? Certainly. Uh, We do one of our big
1: events each year is the Wonderland Race, which is part of the Waco Wonderland. And so we have a number of different businesses in town that help sponsor that. We're always looking for more of those. Those are dollars that we are able to use however we need to in the organization. And, you know, with grant funding, it's so specific how we can spend that sometimes. And for instance, this past year, one of our a graduate of Waco High turned thirty, and she had worked for communities and schools of Central Texas in the Austin area, and had decided for her thirtieth birthday, and she had done that right after college, so several years back. But she decided for her thirtieth birthday that she wanted to do an un- online fundraiser, and she wanted to see if we had any need. Could she sponsor, and specifically Waco High? And we said, by absolutely. And so she ended up raising over $1,500 just from friends giving birthday donations, that sort of thing. And last year, received the funding from her after the online fundraising. In May, there were students that wanted to go to the prom but couldn't afford it that are on our case management. So we were able to buy some prom tickets, able to find them a dress from a different business or uh, that sort of thing. And then there were some students that had made it all the way to graduation but didn't have the money for the cap and gown. And so we were able to use that funding to help buy a cap and gown for a kid to to graduate. They had worked that hard and had stayed in school and just needed a little help to be a part of the celebration. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of funding, we can't use all of our grant dollars to spend on a specific student like that. But certainly, sponsoring a campus or a, you know a general donation to the organization, we can end up doing great things like that for a kid. That's helping them celebrate uh, their senior year. That yeah, sort
0: of and I'm picturing also maybe like a book club or like a Sunday school class that could come together and say, "Let's let's do something for the students in our area." Absolutely, a great example of that is at uh, Marlin High
1: School. Our site coordinator is from Marlin and has been grew up in Marlin, moved away for a little while, and then came back to Marlin, has worked there for a number of years, and has been our site coordinator now there for a number of years. One of her friends mentioned that they had really enjoyed Michelle Obama's book. And so she ended up buying 20 copies for her and her campus. Miss Deborah ended up doing a book club with her students and they read the book together. And so there are things like that, that it's not a huge donation, but what an impact it was able to make in those, those girls' lives, those high school girls, if somebody had been successful and to be able to read a book about it together as a group. So
0: I'm guessing also with government funding, you have certain things you can do. So being able to have this like slush fund of stuff where you can say, here's a need, let's go at, at that, you can do that with. Right. I probably wouldn't
1: use it, call it a slush fund, but yeah, so you know, certainly you know. that uh, <laughs> unrestricted funding, I right. guess is the best way of saying it for a nonprofit. There are always needs like that for kids, whether that's a specific supply at the high school that mm-hmm. they might need or I think of also a kid just, I guess it was two years ago, their house burned down. Mm. We were able to not only put out an email to all of our staff, hey, these are the size clothes of the siblings, they don't have anything, even if you have furniture, anything like that, they're starting over, we've got an apartment set up, but they don't have anything, and so we were able to kind of put out an email and gather as much as we could, but then it's also so helpful to be able to hand them a gift card to HEB for Mm -hmm. groceries, those sort of things that you or I would be difficult to rebuild from a fire, but. For a family living in poverty, it's so much harder to yeah. just start back over. So the unrestricted funds certainly enable, enable us to do that. So,
0: Yeah, and the, I think the prom example is a great example because it's like, is it a necessary thing to their education? No, but it's something everyone remembers, and it's a memory, and it's something that helps them feel more normal if they're going through a situation like that. Absolutely, and they have worked that hard to get
1: to their senior year. By all means, we want to help them be successful and help them actually celebrate that senior year as well. And, you know, I think back to prom and I have some great memories, that sort of thing. And that wasn't a question in the, in the home that I grew up in. But there are some kids that that small fee is is just really a hurdle to them. And mm-hmm. so if we're able to help them with that, certainly it, it has a lasting impact on a kid and just sets them up for such a great success.
0: Well, here at TFNB, your bank for life and Charity Champions, you know, we want to give you guys a big platform to kind of reach as many people as you can So what is the big goal, the dream in your eyes? What is Communities and Schools going to be like five, ten years from now? Well, ideally, I would be out of a job in five to ten years.
1: (laughs) Realistically, we could serve more and more kids. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it just takes additional resources. We're a nonprofit, so our site coordinators don't make a lot. But, you know, we do need to do benefits and salaries and those sort of things. And so in order to continue to grow and serve more kids, it just takes more financial resources to do that. There might be somebody listening that doesn't have financial resources, but might have some time. And we are always looking for mentors and tutors. One of the other great partnerships is with Baylor University. Some of the work-study students there, part of their work-study can tutor on our campuses. So maybe there's a Baylor student listening, thinking, you know, I need to find that one more thing to do for work-study time. They can do that through communities and schools, and we plug tutors in different campus partnerships. But then also mentoring. Just investing in a kid makes an incredible difference. So if there's a business executive, uh, maybe a banker, for say, at TFNB, <laughs> or somewhere else, uh, some other business person that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of time but could give their lunch one day a week to meet with a kid, it's just building that relationship with a kid and being there and investing with them and spending that time with them that makes a world of a difference.
0: What's the best place to go to to find more information about you guys? Sure.
1: Our website is www. CIS HOT.org. So CIS is Communities and Schools HOT Heart of Texas.org.
0: All right, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and thank you so much for what you're doing in the community. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Charity Champions Podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review us. This helps our podcast reach more listeners. Have a charity you'd like to nominate for next season? Visit charitychampions.org and look for the Nominate button at the top of the page. You can also find more information on this podcast and all Charity Champions at charitychampions.org. We'll see you next time.